This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 37. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Graham. Chris... Are you looking forward to season five of Fortnite that came out today? Yes. So funny story. I am not a gamer until last week. Oh my God. Time out. You have an excuse to be a gamer though. What is that excuse? I have kids. Yeah. And those kids are of gaming age now. They are. And so I like in college, I was really into Halo and stuff. It was great. Eventually kind of got tired of it. But my kids, my oldest kids, uh, I've got a boy that's five and a boy that's seven. And they love games. And so we just, last week, I downloaded Fortnite, which is, if you haven't heard of it, it's like the most popular game of all time right now. (laughs) It's insane. And it's like a first-person shooter, but there's also like, it's goofy and not like hyper-masculine, like, you know, an old shooting game would be. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And me and my kids, we all get our devices. We create a team and we play Fortnite together. And it is incredible that's so much fun yeah not just because the game is fun because i'm like bonding with my children but also have an excuse to like do something immature while i'm at it yeah that's always fun when you have a good excuse with your kids to bond with them and be immature at the same time that's a nice feeling if you are listening and you are playing Fortnite and you don't have that excuse that you have children and your business isn't a huge success and you are enjoying season five of Fortnite. You need to stop doing that and you need to work on your business and then you can start enjoying Fortnite when you have kids and when you're a success. But if that's not you, you can friend me. I think that's the right (laughs) word on Fortnite. My screen name is Stink Farts. That is not real. It's real. Oh my God. Look me up on Fortnite. Fartnite. Fartnite. (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. Okay, so this episode is going... Well, so far, Chris. This is the most banter we've ever had. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, though. (laughs) It's great. This episode is not about how to be held to build better in Fortnite. No, it's actually about how to appear to be a badass on the internet. That's basically what this episode's about. But more specifically, we had an episode, episode number 33. We talked about the five studio niches ripe for the taking. This episode's kind of a follow-up to that, an unofficial follow-up. And it's, what are your next steps? Let's just say you chose a new niche. And let's just say for uh, argument's sake, it was the podcast studio or the vocal only studio. It doesn't really matter. What are your next steps in order to legitimize your business and set it up for the most success you could possibly have? We have kind of a checklist we're going to run down today. And I think this episode is going to leave you with a lot to think on and give you some actions to take as soon as this episode's over. As soon as this episode is over, you better go take action on what you've heard today. Yeah, man. I'm really excited about this. It was cool with our five, you know, studio niches, right, for the taking episode. Had a lot of people reach out about that. Had a lot of just stuff I've seen on Facebook of people that have friended me from the podcast. They're like, I launched this new editing business or I launched this new website. So excited to see you guys building stuff, you know, starting new businesses that are hyper-focused on one thing and, and therefore marketable. Yeah, it's one of our most popular episodes for sure. And I think this is a great follow-up to that. Uh, And this is still 100% relevant to any of you who are already established. I will guarantee that you have at least one of the things we're going to talk about today that you have not thought about yet or implemented yet. Yeah, for sure. So let's jump into this. I think the first point we have today is one of the most important things you can think about 
when you are starting a studio, when you are moving into a new niche, or if you are currently flailing around unsuccessfully in a studio you've been running for years, chances are this is one of the things you haven't put much thought into yet. And that is differentiation. What sets you apart? What makes you different from all the other options that people have in your area or whoever your target audience is that they could go to someone else? What makes you different than the person down the road? Totally. So I think a good way to break into this conversation, I'm going to reference this a few times, is to talk about what a loser I was in middle school. And uh, middle school was tough for me, man. My parents had just gotten divorced. I had grown like three feet in a month and uh, was just tall and gangly. And I just hit puberty and I wanted to have a girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> Chris. And uh, this is most, you know, middle schoolers. And, you know, you think of the way a middle schooler thinks about getting a girlfriend. And initially their thought is like, oh, well, maybe if I was the quarterback of the football team or maybe if I had the nicest BMX bike or maybe if, you know, you want to lock down one thing. You're like, you're the rock and roll kid or you're the rapper kid or you're the football guy. And you think that's how you're going to get girls to date you. And it may actually work in middle school. I don't know. I've been, I've been out of the game for a bit, married for, you know, more than a decade, but that's not a bad way to start talking about your business. Why should your customer date your business compared to your competitors? And I don't think many people think about that. We talk about in the past, this idea, this lie that we're told with business, if you build it, they will come. If you're just passionate enough, if you're just obsessed enough with what you do, that will be enough. It's often not. 99% of the time, that's not enough. You have to be able to say, well, man, I'm the number one person at X, Y, and Z at this particular service, and my competitors can't touch me when it comes to this. Yeah. So let's go back to the podcast editing example. That was a niche that we actually had multiple people reach out to us and say, hey, you know, we're an established studio. We have multiple people working for us. And this is a niche that after your episode, we're going to move into this niche because we see a lot of potential in it. We see an underserved niche. And so we're going to use it for an example today, or at least I am. You can think of whatever niche you're in in your head, uh, but this just makes it easier to solidify examples when we have a specific niche. So what can you do to differentiate yourself as a podcast editing studio? Well, I'm reading a book right now. It's called Ready, Fire, Aim. I don't know if I'd recommend this book to most studio owners, but this specific section I think is really important when it talks about niches. And it just talks about taking a good look at the similar services in your area or your competitors and recognizing what gaps there are from what they offer. So the examples are, can you offer a faster service? So can you do faster turnaround times or can you take on projects quicker than the guy down the road? Or maybe you have better prices. The guy is way overcharging and you can do it cheaper, which I don't like that method, especially for service-based businesses. I don't like the, the price being the differentiating factor, but it definitely is a differentiator. Then you have superior quality. Can you just do a better job than your competitors? That's what a lot of you will be striving for is just doing a better job. And then there's the factor of convenience. There are a lot of ways to make the job more convenient. So I'm going to use a different example here, but let's just say you're a mixing engineer and you want to make it more convenient for all of the tracking engineers that you work with. Let's just say you have some big guys in the game and you want to make it as easy as possible for them, more convenient. So they're more likely to work with you as a mixing engineer. So what you do is you don't ask them to consolidate. You don't ask them to, to do all these steps. You just say, Hey, I'm going to adopt whatever doll you're using. I'm going to have that doll on my computer and you just send me the session as is, and I will make it work however you send it to me. And that is a huge convenience factor that a lot of people don't think about as mixing engineers. Or as a podcast studio, I'm going to go back to that example now. One of the things you can do is, hey, 
you guys just record into this Dropbox folder and the audio is automatically synced to my Dropbox folder. And now all you have to do is record your damn parts and we'll take care of everything else. You don't have to do anything. Just record the episode. Everything else is in our hands and we'll take care of it for you. That is more convenience. That is a better service. And that is a differentiating factor is taking it all out of their hands so they don't have to even think about it after they're done. A couple more is uh, personal service. That kind of goes hand in hand with convenience in my opinion. Yeah, so this personal service thing is something that has a big impact on me with Chris Graham Mastering is this is honestly sort of one of the reasons I got into mastering, you know, over a decade ago was I saw a complete lack of personal service amongst mastering engineers that it was just sort of expected that they were going to be mean and rude and condescending and not email you back in less than a week and never return your phone call. No, definitely not. The thing about mastering engineers is they work with so many projects, you're just a number on a page to them, for most of them, and there's no personal interaction at all. So that is the one of your big differentiators is you have a lot more personal service that comes with Chris Graham Mastering than most any other mastering engineer in the world would typically give a client. Yeah, I would absolutely say that. So I like people. I like making new friends. And most mastering engineers don't. (laughs) And actually, to be fair, it's not that they don't. It's that they don't have the systems you have. So they don't have the time and mental capacity to make new friends. That's the reality of it. So it's, it may be that, hey, you can't give personal service because you're so busy. Well, maybe that's a systems problem. And in order to give personal service, you need to get systems into place. But one final thing when it comes to differentiating is a better guarantee. Now, what that means is you are guaranteeing that you will give them what you say you will give them or their money back. And I know very few studios that have a money back guarantee because in all honesty, it's difficult. There's a lot of room there for potential abuse by the customers. And with the amount of time you spend on projects, that can backfire, especially on bigger projects like an album. But when you're doing something like podcast editing or vocal only studio or mastering studio, where it's much smaller amount of time for each project, you can have a much better guarantee than maybe the guy down the road where you say, hey, come to us, we guarantee this or we will give you your money back. We guarantee a one day turnaround on your edits or your money back. And these are just some some quick and dirty ways that you can differentiate from your competitors, but there has to be something you do different in order to be differentiated. That's by very definition is what differentiation is. You have to be different in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, so that's an important concept. And I, I love on a previous episode whose number escapes me, you mentioned um, risk reversal. Yeah. And I love that term. So the guarantee is a risk reversal, which makes it less risky for your clients to hire you because if it doesn't work out, they can get their money back. I have a satisfaction guarantee on my website. You know, it's, you'll love my mastery and your money back. And, you know, every once in a while, maybe once or twice a year, you know, we'll get someone who tries to take advantage of me in that. Yep. But generally it's a non-issue. But a lot of that has to do with I deliver on the quality. And the big idea there is that someone who wants to hire a complete stranger to do something, especially something as personal as adjust how their music sounds, to lower the risk for them is sometimes make or break. Yeah. If you are the most amazing fill-in-the-blank audio specialist engineer, getting a stranger to hire you is very difficult if the stranger thinks that, well, if I hire them and I don't like it, I'm stuck. And so figuring out ways to deal with the customer's risk is a really important way to consider differentiation and an easy way to differentiate in our industry. Yep. So no matter what route you take, you have to consider this first and foremost, because you can do everything else we talk about in this episode. You can do all the marketing tricks and having the beautiful website and the things we've talked about in the past. But if you are any different than the guy down the road, 
you're going to continue to struggle. Bottom line, you have to differentiate if you want a long-term sustainable business. Yeah. So one of the things I love about our podcast is that we do our best to do a quote unquote advice buffet. Take what you want. What Brian just said, if you don't differentiate, you won't be successful. That's unfortunately not on the buffet table. That's the truth. And it's not just in our industry. It's in every industry. You have to differentiate. You have to be different or the best, quote unquote, in some way or people won't hire you. And so I would throw one more piece in. This is a little bit out of order. So forgive me here. But as far as the risk reversal and the guarantee, one of the things you can do is you don't have to have a blanket guarantee over all projects. If I were producing again, one of the things that I would pitch to clients is I would say, hey, let's do one song. We'll do it in one day. I guarantee you'll like it or your money back. But just for this one day and just for this one song, I can't give you any kind of quality guarantee if you decide to do an album with me. That's just too much work that I could stand to miss out on if you flake on me. So I would say these isolated guarantees, there's a huge opportunity there to say, hey, let's start with a small project. Let's get to know each other. It gives you a chance to build rapport and build relationship and make sure this is someone you want to work with and put a guarantee on that small project. Yep. And just to say, like, you can fit a guarantee of some sort in any business. You don't necessarily have to refund an entire album, but you can find ways to fit a guarantee in there. So just as a funny aside, I started a business a bunch of years ago that ended up not working out. But our satisfaction guarantee was cute. It was, you know, you'll love this service or your money back and we'll make you a plate of homemade cookies. <laughs> Anyone ever act on that claim? Nobody ever took us up on it, but it was at least a little bit clever. That is clever. Because that's so personal. Yep. It's so personal. We'll bake you a plate of homemade chocolate chip cookies that it's like, oh, these are real people. I don't want to screw them by just like my own flakiness and ask for a refund. Yeah, you can definitely have fun with this. And I've even seen people with such crazy guarantees like, hey, this is what we guarantee or you will get double your money back. And you hear this on like weird marketing schemes and stuff, but most people that have this guarantee are just so confident that it will work that they will not have any people or very few people uh, take them up on that. But let's move on. The next thing on our list for someone either moving into a new niche or for someone that has is assessing their own studio, their own business and trying to see if they have the things in place they need to have in place. The next thing we'd say to talk about is your website because you need to look like a legitimate business if people look you up. And chances are in today's age, if you tell someone you do this thing, you give them a name to go by, your studio name or your personal name or your producer name, whatever you go by, they're going to Google you. Chances are they're going to Google you because very few people are willing, like I'm not even willing to shell over $10 for a hamburger without looking it up on Yelp first. People are not going to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars with you as a studio without looking you up online first. It's just the world we live in. So you need a website. You need a home base for people to find you on. And your website is an important piece of this puzzle. Yeah. I know, you know, we are probably the most anti-gear audio podcast on the internet. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. We have no gear sponsors. We're the, probably the only audio podcast without gear sponsors. Which isn't to say we're not open to it, you know, so. Speak for yourself. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're thinking, hmm, I could probably get more clients if I got this microphone from my mic closet, that new mic that you get, you know, I love Royal Ribbon mics, so gear slut me, Brian. You're getting gear slutted right now. Bingo. I love Royal Ribbon mics, but if I was running a production studio and I was thinking, ah, I think I'm going to invest in these really kick-ass ribbon mics, here's the thing. That ribbon mic probably won't get anyone to hire me. I'll probably only use it on a fraction of projects. So it only has a small impact on the percentage of people that would even consider hiring me. No one's going to be like, let's hire him because he's got a Royal Ribbon mic. No one has ever said that. 
But here's the thing. The website affects everybody. Every single person that's going to think about hiring you will see the website. That is why it is a must as an investment if you are going to have any internet presence. Yeah, also, this is the place that you are able to put those differentiating factors on display. So if you are faster, if you are cheaper, if you are more convenient, if you have better personal service, if you have a better guarantee, they're not going to know about it if you don't tell them. And if you don't put it on your website, how do you expect them to know that you are better, faster, cheaper, have a better guarantee or whatever? You have to have those factors on your website. There's a million things you need to have on your site, but that is one of them. So let's now talk about we're not going to make this a website discussion really, but we can just say we recommend two different things. Uh, if you're going to make a website, the first and foremost one that I recommend is Wix. If you don't have a website yet, Wix makes it super easy. You can, it's just a drag and drop builder and you don't have to worry about any of the technical backend that something like WordPress requires. It's a much easier thing to implement and something you could get done today if you wanted to do it. Now, if you want to take a free website building course that I have, you can just go to academy.com the sixfigurehomestudio.com. I've got a free course on there about that. But Wix is the one that I use in that tutorial. Wix is the one that I recommend everyone use and it's the easiest, but it doesn't make it the most powerful. So Chris and I both use WordPress for our main websites. Chris Gam Mastering is fully built on WordPress. The Six Figure Home Studio for me is fully built on WordPress and it's a lot more complicated beast, but we have both found a website builder that we love that, that runs on top of WordPress. It's called Thrive Architect. And this is infinitely easier than the typical WordPress website creation process might be. It's a drag and drop system similar to Wix, a little more complex, but a little more powerful than Wix as well. So those are the two things we're going to recommend. If you're going down the rabbit hole of creating a new website, do a lot of research. Don't just go off this podcast, do your own research before you jump into this, because there's a lot of things you could do wrong and you don't want to get stuck with a website you hate or that you never finish. So that's my five seconds of advice for a website. Yeah. So, and my kind of advice on this too would be, let's go back to the Royal Ribbon Mic. You're thinking about buying this for your studio. Why wouldn't you just make your own ribbon mic? Seriously, Brian, why wouldn't you just make your own ribbon mic? Because <laughs> I don't know the first thing about making microphones, man. Get out of here with that. So why on earth would you make your own website? Well, like with Wix, if you're just starting out, Wix is great. Yeah. But if you want to do this for a living, if you are really, truly passionate and you want to make a living, you want to retire as an audio engineer, why would you build your own website? Eventually, you should hire a guy that at least helps you. So let, let's say let's say that I thought to myself, yeah, I am going to build a ribbon mic or I am going to build, I've considered this, I'm not going to, building my own really high-end tube amp for the mastering studio. There goes another gear slut for Chris Graham. Oh man, I got two. I would at least hire an electrical engineer to help me, to at least like help me get it set up and biased correctly and yada, yada, yada. So with websites, man, don't be cheap. Think about hiring a web guy to help you do some of the things to make it look right, to make it function right, and to do the next things we're getting ready to talk about. Yeah, there's some things you need to do for sure. Yes, there are three things that every website ever should have. Even if you never use them, it should be installed. And those three things are Google Analytics, a Facebook Pixel, and the Google remarketing tag. What are these things? Google Analytics, first and foremost, is the absolute best tracking software, for lack of a better term, that you can get for your website. Well, Chris, what if I use Squarespace and Squarespace Analytics is set up on my site already? Google Analytics is free. Every website ever uses it, period. Yeah, there's no reason to rely on something like Squarespace Analytics. <laughs> yeah, 
So even if you don't plan to look at it for a year, these types of things, they're gathering data as your website runs. So you want to have them immediately installed on the website because when you go back six months from now or a year from now, you want to get back and look at that data and understand how the website grew, how your traffic grew, where your traffic came from, how long people are on your website. So if you don't have Google Analytics on your website, it's kind of like owning a shop, but not being able to see anyone that's inside of it. You don't know if there's a hundred people there that day or if there's no one there that day. Google Analytics lets you know who's coming into the shop, where they're coming from and what they're doing. We've talked about this before, but that is an important part, Google Analytics. But the second part that Chris mentioned, the Facebook pixel, this is one that people don't really think about. This is one that people uh, avoid for whatever reason. I guess they just don't know what they don't know. But Facebook pixel is one of the most powerful things you can add to your website if you ever move into paid marketing. And even if you never plan to do paid marketing, remarketing is something where you are just targeting ads to people who have been to your site before. So let's just say, You've had 100 people come to your site this month. Those are people that have heard about you in some way, shape, or form, whether it's from you or from a previous client or however they found out about you. They Googled your name, they looked you up, they listened to your portfolio, and then they disappeared. And the only way you can ever get that person to come back to your site again and to potentially work with you if they didn't fill out your contact form is to serve them ads. And you can say, okay, Facebook, anyone who's come to my site in the last six months, I want you to show them this specific ad and it'll only show to people who've been to your site. And that is some of the best advertising dollars you could ever hope to spend. We're talking about 10, 20, 30 X return on investment on money you spend on ads. So for every $10 you spend, you could get hundreds or even thousands I've seen in some cases of dollars back from that sort of ad spend. But you're only going to see that kind of ROI on retargeting. Yeah. So let's talk about how this actually works. You have to go to Facebook. You set up an account with them. They give you a small piece of code and it needs to be put in the website. This is one of those things where having an actual web developer do an hour or two of work for you. But this is the good thing about Wix is Wix makes it super easy. You just have a string of numbers and they show you how to get these numbers and you just put the string of numbers in the place in Wix that tells you to put it for Facebook Pixel and that's all you have to do. So that's the one good thing about uh, Wix that is a little bit easier than WordPress. WordPress requires a little bit more technical knowledge, a lot more Google ability. <laughs> you have to be able to Google a lot if you're going to do WordPress site. But either way, you want a Facebook pixel on your site. We're not going to go into super detail, but continue to explain kind of the gist of it. Yeah. As soon as this Facebook pixel is installed on your website, anyone that comes to your website that's currently logged into Facebook, which is, let's face it, almost everybody, Facebook will make a secret list that you can't see of everyone who's been on your website. And once enough people have come on your website, you can take that list and you can say, hey, Facebook, I wrote a blog post called, let's just make one up, the five most important things to keep in mind when you're thinking about recording a record. You know, you write some kind of blog post like that and you go into Facebook and you say, hey, Facebook, show this blog post to everyone that's ever been to my website that was logged into Facebook. Now people are on Facebook and they say, oh, that one studio I thought about hiring. Oh, that's an interesting post. Yep. I'm going to read that. Wow, he made some good points. You know what? I'm going to call him up. Boom. That is remarketing. And you have to have a Facebook pixel to do it. And just to give you guys some raw numbers, like I can show an ad to someone who's been to my site. I can show it to a thousand people for anywhere from upwards of $30 to as low as $5. Show me where else I can show an ad to a thousand people for $5. 
I don't know anywhere else. And not just a thousand people, a thousand people who already know me. They already probably trust me or have some sort of relationship or some sort of at least prior knowledge of who I am. And I'm not just some stranger to them. That is some powerful stuff. And if you can set up your Facebook pixel, this is what you can do in the future. You don't have to worry about all this right now, but as a new business, getting into a new niche or someone who's established that hasn't done this, you need to go ahead and do this now so you can take advantage of this as you learn and grow as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so case in point, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, I'm going to use some hyperbole here. You're listening to this podcast. You probably already have a website for your business. You probably don't have a Facebook pixel and someone's on your website right now. You can't follow up with them. That's true. Unless they fill out a form and give you their email address. My website, that is less than 10% of people, probably closer to 5% of people. So that's 95% of people that without remarketing, I'll never be able to talk to again or see. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. Exactly. Install the Facebook pixel. And even if it's three months from now, you finally decided I'm passionate enough about this to pay to promote it, then you can actually start doing that. You need the Facebook pixel first to build the list so that you can remarket to those people later if you decide to do it. So with this conversation, there's also the Google remarketing tag. It's the exact same thing as the Facebook pixel. Except Google's version. Yeah, it's the Google version where, hey, when someone searches recording studio, if they've been to your website, your ad shows up. Or you can show them an ad on YouTube or Google Audience Network. There's different ways you can serve the ads. That's not important right now. What matters is you have that on your site and you're starting to collect that audience of people. Now, I've never used 
Google ads or YouTube ads. That's something I may get into in the future, but you best believe I have that remarketing tag on my website, collecting people who have already been to my site so that I can serve them ads later in the future. Yeah. So case in point, I'm working on a new business. I'll tell you guys all about it uh, in future episodes. One of the first things I did when I was like, okay, I'm going to start sending traffic to it. Facebook pixel, Google remarketing tag. Boom. So last thing on the uh, website conversation, we've mentioned this before. I'm probably a little bit intense on this, but I am totally against someone trying to run any sort of established business with a Gmail email address. It is a huge red flag to me when someone, you know, Bob's recording studio at gmail.com. That is just like, oh, they don't take it seriously. And I think a lot of clients feel the same way. If it's, you know, Bob at Bob's recording studio.com, that looks like Bob really cares. It's true. He's really going for it. So I would say as you're building these websites, it's not the first most important thing you should do. But I think if you want to look professional, you should really think about having an email address like that. The easiest way to do that is to use the Google app suite. You basically pay five bucks a month and you get all these services from Google, one of which is a Gmail account that's not at gmail.com. It's a Gmail account that's at yourwebsite.com or .net or whatever you happen to have. All right, let's move on to the marketing side of things. So you're in this new niche. We're going to using, for this example, the podcast editing niche that was part of our one of our five niches right for the taking a few episodes ago. And now we're in the marketing conversation. What do we do as a new niche or even an established niche to kind of get that snowball rolling? So let me go back to my middle school Chris Graham analogy here because uh, this is where it starts to work. I was such a loser in seventh grade. How much of a loser were you? <laughs> that I started thinking, boy, I really want a girlfriend. So here's what I'm going to do. Oh my God. I'm going to get a yellow legal pad and I'm going to write down the names of all the girls I would be willing to date. This is so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Keep going, please. But my wife is smoking hot. So it, it worked out in the end years later <laughs> but so i'm not a loser so now my wife is just for the record you didn't marry anyone on that that yellow legal pad oh god no okay. but i made a list because it was really important to me to get a girlfriend okay made a list of all the potential girls where i was like yeah i would totally be her boyfriend and i did that because i was serious about it so here's where this is applicable to you starting a new business or having a business do you have a list of potential clients have you at a minimum sat down with a napkin and written down all the people that you think you might be able to get to hire you. Huge, man. This is huge. So the easiest way to do that right now is in a spreadsheet. Is to go on Google Sheets or Excel or whatever you happen to use, numbers you know, on Mac. I recommend Google Sheets. It's fantastic. Yeah, you can use it across all devices. It syncs across all devices and it's free. So there's no point in not having it. Incredible, yeah. So just make a column, call it potential customers, and start listing names and then make the next column and say email address and put their email address in the next column and put their phone number in the next column, but like their Instagram account, whatever. So all the different ways that you could contact this person and you're started at that point, then you can start following up with these people. You can start reaching out to them and saying, Hey, what's new? And then eventually in a casual way, transitioning to, have you heard about my new business? Or I hear you podcast. How's that going? How's it been editing? Has that been a struggle for you guys? Oh my gosh, it's been such a pain in the buns. Well, that's so interesting because I just launched Bob's podcast <laughs> editing.com. So this list is huge. And the best way to do the list is through a CRM, a customer relationship 
management piece of software. Brian and I are both huge fans of Close.io. It's unfortunately pretty expensive. It's very expensive. <laughs> uh, but there are other options like HubSpot uh, where you essentially have a single spot where you can keep track of all the conversations you've had with people. If you want more information on that, you can go back to our episode number seven, where we talk about CRMs in pretty heavy detail there. So we're not going to really belabor the point here. But the point is just make sure you're tracking this stuff. Have some sort of area you're tracking it. It can be a spreadsheet. It can be a CRM, like an established piece of software that you're paying for or one of the free ones. But just make sure you are tracking this list somewhere and the success rate that you are having with this list of people. Because that's going to be an important part of your success is proper tracking of your leads. And this is called lead generation is what we're talking about here, generating leads for your business. This is really the term in a nutshell is lead generation. It's just a fancy way of saying, I'm finding people that I could potentially work with. And then I'm going to try to start that conversation and see if those turn into paid projects. And without lead generation, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you do, if you have a business that sells to customers or even businesses, you have to generate leads. And in some businesses, word of mouth is more than enough to generate enough leads for you. The leads just fall in the door. But some people do paid advertising to generate leads. Some people do cold outreach to generate leads. There's a million different ways you can do this. But at the end of the day, it's all lead generation. Yeah. Some people start a podcast that's targeted to their ideal customer. And uh... <laughs> yeah, in that, <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> in that case, you can just go hire Chris Graham at chrisgrammastering.com to master your next project. Oh, oh man. The kimono is open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You just flashed our audience. So here's some homework. So you guys want something applicable that can make your business grow uh, that you can take home from this episode. Here it is right now. If you're passionate, if you're hungry, you got a freaking list of potential people that you think might hire you. How many people do you need to have on this list, Chris? All of them. Every person that you know that you think might be willing to hire you should be on a list somewhere. That's your first step is you want to go to your whole network, that's everyone that you know, and write down every single person you know that you think might hire you. That's your homework. If you aren't willing to do that, you're going to struggle as a business owner a lot. That is a really, really, really important first step. So if I could go back you know, 15 years and talk to Chris Graham, be like, hey, dude, make a friggin' list and start following up with these people. So that brings us to the next point in lead generation and marketing is follow-up. When you have that list, and especially when you have it in a CRM, which makes it really easy, you can say, well, how long has it been since I emailed Joe? Oh, it's been over, I haven't talked to Joe in two months, but I really think Joe might hire me someday. Then friggin' reach out to Joe and at least be friendly, ask him how his dog is doing, whatever. No one's enough of a grown-up to, in their own memory, remember to follow up with everyone who might hire them someday. No. You can't even remember to show up for this podcast without a reminder. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have a list of people, and ideally a list in a CRM, to remember to follow up with these people and to continue to be a part of their lives. Well, let me add to this, because this is an important part of any business, especially those of you who already established yourselves as a legitimate studio and you already have past clients, that is one of the lowest hanging fruits of all time. Secret right there. Go follow up with your past clients. Those are people that every six to 12 to 18 months, they are going to go back in the studio. They're going to record another album. If you're not top of mind when that time comes, you're not going to get the project ever, period. Yeah. End of story. So let's move on now. Let me throw one more thing in here real quick. So social media, I know you guys are waiting for us to like, teach us how to social media. 
you know, everyone thinks that's the most important thing. Yes, it's important, but let me just kind of call art industry out. Your social media feeds should be about culture, not about events. Like I have friends that are in bands and it's super irritating for me that const- I want to stay up with them, but all they ever talk about is their upcoming show. That's an event. You shouldn't use your social media outlets to just be like, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. You know, come to this thing. Come to this thing. It should be about culture. Here's something that I think is cool. Here's something interesting that I have to say. Those are the people on social media that I see constantly in my newsfeed who are at the top of it. People who are just expressing their thoughts and opinions about something usually related to the music industry or business as a whole in my newsfeed at least. And people that are just talking about them themselves really are the ones that I never see. And it's, it's funny how those kinds of conversations naturally rise to the top of Facebook's newsfeed. Yeah. So if you're using social media to advertise, don't, this drives me nuts when people do this. Don't say any bands looking to record. Oh my God. Question mark. Don't use your social media account for that. You know who's a good person to look at for this? Go look at our last guest, Travis Terrell, that we just had on the podcast the last episode. Go at him on Facebook and then look at his posts. He posts just about every day some sort of two to 500 word blurb about the state of his industry. And it appeals to his ideal clients, really his ideal customers for Soundstripe. And they're really thoughtful, insightful pieces of stuff. And I don't even really care about the industry, but I love reading what he writes about because he's great at expressing views and opinions in a way that is entertaining and informative. And if you can take that and adapt it to your own industry or to appeal to your own type of client that you're trying to attract, you're going to get a lot more traction on social media doing that than you ever would just posting memes or posting about events or posting about yourself or asking dumb questions, any of that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not one size fits all for everybody, but I would generally say your social media feeds are not for marketing. They're for relationship building. They're to start conversations. It's a good reminder, (laughs) even for myself. Yeah, me too. Well, there's always the temptation and be like, all you have to do is write one sentence and you might be able to generate business from it as a tweet or something like that. People don't follow you to be promoted to. They follow you because they're interested in you. And man, I'm not an expert in this by any stretch of the imagination. But in my opinion, as as somebody who's built relationships with a bunch of customers and convinced them to come back to me again and again, to just like be, for lack of a better term, slutty (laughs) with my social media accounts is not the way to do that. Well, I want to actually add to that. And this kind of goes back to our remarketing conversation and something you may or may not know about. And something for our audience to think about when they start getting that, the Facebook retargeting conversation, I'm not going to go too long on this, but if all you do is post about post value added content on Facebook, you never, ever, ever, ever pitch. Well, guess what you can do? You can go create a custom audience on Facebook of anyone who's ever interacted with any of your, your organic social posts on social media yeah. and then pay for advertising to those people. And it's very, very cheap to send ads to people who've already engaged with your page in some way, shape, or form. We're talking very little amount of money for a highly leveraged paid advertising campaign. To me, that's a great way of doing social is add value for the free posts and then pay when you're trying to make money. And if you can live that way, you're going to have a lot more success. Like Facebook is a pay-to-play game, but if you are going that method where you are doing value-added content where people are highly engaged, commenting, sharing, liking everything, and you don't taint your newsfeed with promotional content that gets no interaction. This is how you can go to a Facebook page and see 100,000 followers and see that all their posts have three to five likes. 
it's because they're all promotional posts and they're not getting no traction and Facebook's algorithm has crushed them down to the depths of hell. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But that's just some food for thought there. Yeah. Well, my last piece here for you listeners that are like, oh, this little social media, that's not fair. You know, that they make you pay to promote. Here's the thing. Do you know why Mark Zuckerberg made Facebook? I don't know. He wanted to get a bunch of people to use the website. So then he would own the eyeballs. So then he could force people to pay to get their messages out. Yeah, this was their monetization model the whole time. That's why they did it. Same with MySpace, same with Twitter, same with Instagram. Well, it's because you as the user of the platform are the product. (laughs) Yeah. And we are the customers as the advertisers. Yeah, so that's the thing. You got to keep in mind here, the whole point of social media, the whole reason that people build social media platforms is to make it so it's difficult for you to get your marketing message out on their platform without paying them to promote the post. So don't feel frustrated that it's hard to get your marketing message out on Facebook without doing paid marketing. Yeah, you can't approach social media with an entitled attitude. That's unfortunately not going to help at all. It's not because it wasn't designed to work. The whole reason Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard was he thought he could be a billionaire if he could find a way to get people to pay to promote their marketing messages on his platform. That was the whole idea. So I'll shut up about that. Let's do our last little bit here. For this last part, let's say someone is thinking about hiring you to do something. You have a website, you've got the Facebook pixel, you've got the email address, you've got all the things, you're differentiated. Let's talk about what your customer is going to do. They've heard about you. I'm going to tell you what I would do. Let's use a restaurant for an example. Let's say a new restaurant opens for me and I hear that they're pretty good and I'm thinking about going. What am I going to do before I go? I'm going to do the same thing that every millennial that's even remotely affluent is going to do. I'm going to pull my iPhone out and I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to type in the business name and I'm going to see what happens. Do they have a web page? Do they have reviews? Is there a picture? Is there a spot where there's you know a bunch of Yelp reviews? I want to get an idea if other people have had good experiences with this business. Now, this is huge. Before a customer hires you, they probably Googled you. I would say there's a 90% chance that they Googled you, possibly better. Yeah, my highest source of traffic is people who search for me specifically on Google for my studio. Me too, hands down, hands down. So here's the good question that you need to ask yourself as a small business owner or someone who's just started out with their small business. What's it look like when someone Googles you? So press pause, get your phone out, Type in your business name in Google and see what it looks like. If it looks like you have no idea what you're doing, if it looks like no one has ever worked with you, that's what your customers will think. Yeah, so just to kind of support what Chris said there, do that for your own studio and then go look up Chris's studio. Go type into Google Chris Graham Mastering and look at the difference between what your results look like and then look at his results. And depending on where you live and what your search history is in Google, you're probably going to see a lot of five-star reviews in the search results and you're going to see hundreds of reviews on both Google and Facebook. Yeah, so this is the most important thing is that before someone hires you, they're going to Google you, almost guaranteed. And if you look like a loser on the search result page, you know, your business name typed into Google is more important than your web page, in my opinion. And you have to find ways to make it look better. So here's some ideas on how to do that. One, beg 
for reviews on Facebook from old customers. Beg for reviews from old customers on Google. And beg for reviews on even something, and Yelp is mostly restaurants, get a couple good reviews on Yelp. Because every website that you get, there's a certain number of reviews that you need where those reviews, your star rating starts to show up within Google. So that's really important. You can do all these things to make your search result better. You can also add a Google Plus page with a picture for your business and that will start to show up in the side of Google search results. There's all these things you can do to get your search page, your first page of your search results to look as awesome as possible. And it should have stars all over the place. There should be five-star reviews from anywhere you can get them. And just to add to what Chris said, I don't think you necessarily have to beg for the reviews. We, as a matter of fact, episode four of this podcast, it was one of the first things we covered. It was actually our first lesson-based episode was how to get more online reviews for your studio. That is a valuable episode for this specific topic. It's super easy. I mean, we got 100 five-star reviews for our podcast pretty quick using the exact method that we taught in the episode number four. <laughs> so I think it's an easy method anyone can implement and it doesn't re- really require any sort of begging at all. It doesn't, but... Sometimes it does require some begging. And I know for me, it was really uncomfortable when I finally started asking customers who told me they were happy with my work when I started asking them for reviews. That was a, that was a difficult jump for me, but was one of the best things I ever did was to say, oh my gosh, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're happy. Could you please write a review? Could you please write what you told me, how you felt about working with me as a review on Google? What if they didn't leave a review? Did you follow up with them? No, I felt that would have been over the top. Um, But I'm not saying that that's not the right move for some people. If you're just starting out, if you have no reviews, period, and you've worked with 10 people, I would continue to follow up with them until they wrote a review. Yeah, just let them know like, hey, reviews are a very important part of a new business. And I would love if you could leave a review just to help me out for starting. Now, here's the awkward part of that. People are polite. That's the problem. People are polite. And if you didn't give them a great service, they're probably not going to tell you that. But if they leave you an honest review, it may not be good. So I don't know the best way to combat that other than making sure you give the best possible service you can to these clients. Yeah. Here's my advice on that. Um, We've talked about this on the podcast before. Do small projects. Yeah. Lower the bar enough that you will crush it out of the ballpark. Set it up so that the projects that you're doing, at least at first, are so in your wheelhouse that you're so good at them that they're not stressful. They're not this like work 18 hour sessions, you know, type of thing. You should figure out a way to do work that you know will result in five star reviews for your business. Yep. We covered it in episode number four, so we don't have to really talk about it anymore here, but just know this episode is kind of an overview of all these deeper subjects. We probably could have done an episode on every single one of these specific things separately, but this is one that I think is a good next step for that episode that was very popular, the five studio niches right for the taking. You think there's anything else we, we kind of might need to touch on before we wrap this episode up, Chris? I think this has been a cool episode. I would say just sort of summing up some of our points, I would say first and foremost, if you don't have a list of potential customers, you're not doing it right. Yeah. You need to have a list of potential customers. No matter what, you need leads. If they're not coming to you, you have to go find them, bottom line. Yeah. If you build it, they will come is not a thing. You're not just going to open your business and people are going to beat the door down. That's not how it works. Yep. I would say, you know, our other one of our other great points was you have to differentiate. That is the best point of all the points we made. It's the most boring of all the points. It requires, you know, 
a lot different type of work. It requires some thinking. It requires some introspective thinking. It's not just something you can go do that's fun, like making a new Wix website, but it is definitely more important than any of the other stuff we talked about, because if you don't get that part right, none of this other stuff matters, unfortunately. 100% true. The next thing, obviously you need to have a good website. You got to have Google Analytics, Facebook Pixel, et cetera. And then reviews. It's not necessarily just reviews, but what does the first page of results look like if someone searches for your business? You need to understand, you have to take this home, that people Google you before they hire you. And what does that look like? Are they more likely or less likely to hire you after Googling you? If they Google you and they would be less likely to hire you, you have some work to do. So that's it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. Go out and take some damn action on the things you heard today. Somewhere there's something you need to do to improve your business, to improve your differentiation, and establish yourself as a go-to person in your niche. Now, one important thing to keep in mind, if you're struggling in your business right now, and you're looking to this episode to save your, your career, or you're looking to really this podcast to save your career, you know none of the advice in this podcast and any of the episodes we really talk about is going to help you become a full-time studio if you lack the skills necessary to excel in whatever you're trying to do. So if you suck at recording or you suck at mixing or you suck at mastering and you think that our podcast is going to save your career simply because you, you have a nice website or you do you know, some of the tips and tricks we talk about, at the end of the day, you have to have the skills and abilities necessary in order to be successful. So everything we teach in the Six Figure Home Studio podcast is assuming the fact that you can do what you need to do from an audio skill standpoint in order to deliver a great quality piece of work to your clients. So if that is not the case, you need to check yourself. Now, I don't know what niche you're in, but I do know that a friend of mine, uh, Jordan Valeriot, has just launched a course on tracking, proper tracking. So if you're a tracking engineer, you have artists in the studio with you, and you struggle with getting great quality tracks at the source, then I would urge you to go check out the Hardcore Tracking course. Uh, and if you join that this week, uh, as an affiliate of that course, I'm actually offering a bunch of bonuses that you cannot get anywhere else. So if you want to check out that course, learn more about it, uh, pick up some of the bonuses, you can just go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash tracking. That's T-R-A-C-K-I-N-G. If you pick up that course this week, I'm going to give you a pack of my favorite personal drum samples. I call it the dead samples. It's a kick, snare, um, some toms, really good room sounds. I'm going to give you my Kemper tone and my Axe Effects tone bundles. That means it's my exact guitar tone that you can load into your Kemper if you have one or your Axe Effects if you have one. You're going to get my 1997 Fender Jazz Bass sample. So if you do MIDI bass or bass programming, you're going to get an NKI file, which is a file you can load into Contact and you can program bass using my Jazz Bass custom sample files. And I'm going to give you the Social Media Mastery Workshop. This is a workshop where we talk about mastering social media for the recording studios. And you're going to get the complete client journey. Both All of this together is about a $300 value. You're going to get it for free if you join Hardcore Tracking this week. And only if you go through my affiliate link, which is the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash tracking. So one more important note is that this course is only available to join between now and Thursday night at 11.59 p.m. Central or Eastern Standard Time. So right at midnight, uh, Thursday night, registration closes. So if you're listening to this podcast late, sorry you missed out. Or if you wait too long and you procrastinate and you miss out, uh, I'm sorry, but only available until Thursday night. And you can get to that by going to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash tracking. Whoa.